so good to be with you. Hey, we're, we're packed out in here this morning. Isn't this a good feeling? We brought in 20 more chairs so that we could all fit in this place. We're down to one service. This has been tremendous. If you're a guest with us this morning, just scooch in, uh, get comfortable. We're glad that you're here. It's tight in here, but this is, this is good. This is what we wanted for the holidays. And so happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Thanksgiving. Isn't it fun we have so many holidays at once? It's awesome. Hey, I'm really excited because today we're going to conclude a series called The Unshakables, and we're going to talk about the unshakable destiny. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we'll be there in just a moment, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm really excited because this, this has been a journey for a lot of us. A lot of us have grabbed a purple book out in the foyer, and it's a 12-week foundational book. I remember when I was 20 years old and somebody told me about the purple book. They told me about this study that I would do with my Bible and it would be a fill in the blank study. And they said, hey man, this would be great. This would be good for your life. It'd be good for your spiritual health. I remember grabbing that thing and I was eating it up. I had a hunger for the word of God like I've never had before. I remember sitting in my bedroom just filling out lesson after lesson, after chapter after chapter. Now, when you're a college student, you have the luxury to do that. When you're a mom of three, you're like, I can't even read my Bible. I can't even read the verse of the day, you know, so I'm having a hard time. But, but man, there was such a hunger for God's word. I remember going lesson after lesson, and when I did, I think I completed that thing in three weeks. It was crazy. I, I was just all into it, all into what God said, some, some things that I've always known in my Christian life from being brought up, but some new truths that I, I had yet to discover that God was highlighting to me, some different things that he was saying. And, and through that, I started taking other people through that purple book and said, man, you really need this for your life. And, and so I started discipling young men um, around me. And I think currently I'm, I'm taking six men at Luminous Church through the purple book. And it's, it's just an incredible journey. And I'm excited because we have a purple pillar out there. Did y'all see the purple pillar? That's new. If you're a guest, you didn't know that, but that's new. That's a purple pillar. And that's that's our pillar of fame. And so when you finish the 12 weeks of Purple Book, we want you to sign that pillar as, as a moment of completion, a, a stamp on your life that, man, I've completed this. I've done it. It's awesome. Uh, uh, celebrate. And so a lot of you, that will be for today because you started this 12 weeks ago with us. And so if that's you, sign that pillar. There's markers out there. We want to celebrate you. And, and, and on that pillar, it'll say disciples make disciples. We'll write that in calligraphy on there because that's what happens through the purple book. It's disciples make disciples. You get a hold of that. Your life starts getting transformed. And you realize somebody else needs to go through this. And I need to take somebody else through this and what the word of God says for their life. And that's what we want you to do. That's our hope. As you um, sit here at Luminous Church and you call this family, that would be what we would commission you to do that that's what we long to do now we know that why why do we need foundations in our life because storms are coming aren't they storms are coming and and you've either been through a storm you're going through a storm or you will go through a storm oh that's a debbie downer that's that's sad why are you telling me all this hateful information pastor ben it's because i just want to bring a little bit of reality and perspective to your life and you're going to go through a storm and when you do, you want to be able to stand on the things that are grounded and true. That's what we've longed for your life. Today, I want to talk about the unshakable destiny. In 2010, I went to China on a mission trip. 
I went to the island of Hainan, and, and there I was super excited to go on this mission trip. It was like a last-minute decision because there was eight girls going and one guy. And so the, my pastor came up to me and said, dude, we need another guy to go. We're not sending eight girls to China with one dude. I mean, if y'all get stuck in an alley, it's over, you know. So I decided to do a couple push-ups and, and take the challenge. So I went to China, and, and when you're going to China, you don't really know what to expect. And so, so these girls started packing for the trip, and, and their suitcases were like trunks. You know, they were, they were massive. They were packing blow dryers. This one girl, I think, packed 50 pounds of batteries, which is not a good idea for TSA. She was just going to power everything, uh, everything possible, because we were going to a remote part of China. And, and as she did... Uh, we were lugging these suitcases through the airport. They were, they were, they were huge. They were massive. It was, it was a little burdensome, but I was a man, and I decided to step it up and carry another lady's suitcase. And we started going, and I remember landing, landing and when we got onto the, the hopper plane, the little Chinese hopper plane that was super tiny. It's like an American Eagle. And we're, we're trying to drag these suitcases through there, these carry-ons, all this, all this luggage, because we're going to a place that we don't know yet, and we don't know what we're going to need, right? And, and then we had to get on the train on the island to go to the inner part of the island. And you should have seen this. A, a bunch of Americans trying to haul their huge, giant suitcases, suitcases that probably housed more than these people had in their entire house. We're, we're, we're lugging these through the trains we get on the train we finally made it and we get off and everybody's staring at us and I was thankful because I didn't bring a big suitcase I brought a backpack because you see when you're on a journey you need a backpack don't you when you're on a journey you just need a backpack you, you need to live light well today I want to talk to you about the unshakable destiny and the truth is in your theology and my theology we need a backpack mentality because we're on a journey here on earth but we also need a suitcase mentality we need a suitcase theology because we're going to end up in a destination that we're going to settle in you see when you go to wherever it may be you're going to bring a suitcase for the destination you're going to bring the beach wear you're going to bring whatever it may be you're going skiing you're packing your snow bib and everything else and and you need a lot of stuff wives know this really well guys don't care you know like whatever you know, but, but when you get there, you realize, I should have packed more. I should have packed more. And when I got to our destination there in China, I realized I ran out of clothes quickly. And these girls still had clothes and, and everything else that they needed to stay there. You see, I was good on the journey, but at the destination, I came up a little bit short with the supplies that I needed. And, and the truth is, in this life, as we're walking it out, is that we're on a journey. We're on a journey, you and me. We're on a journey. You're, you're probably going to get married. You're probably going to have kids. You're probably going to have a great career. You're going to go and you're going to teach people about Jesus. You're going you're to live missional wherever you go. You're going to give to the poor. You're going to give to the widow. You're going to give of yourself wherever it may be. You're, you're on a journey, but we're also on a destination. We're on a destination of heaven and eternity with life. And, and in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says this, verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do have, as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, 
God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. As Paul was writing this letter, he was remembering the church in Thessalonica and and you may not know, but persecution was running rampant in the church. And, and brothers and sisters, it would be as though we were in this room and we didn't know who would be here next week because we don't know who would be locked up or who has been killed because of the gospel. You see, they were living in a time where, where the gospel was, was threatened by the local government and by the government as a whole. And, and people were being persecuted. And, and as they came back to church the next day and they gathered together, they saw people who weren't there anymore. And they started mourning and started weeping and started crying. And, and as we all should, right, because we mourn with those who mourn. But Paul's saying, hey, this is temporary, this is temporary, and I need you to know that because if you stay here and you keep mourning, you're going to be unproductive what God's called you to do. You're going to be unproductive, and so we should mourn, but we should know that there is a greater hope. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, 18 says this, that, that we don't actually die, although we do, but it uses the word we are asleep in Christ. We're asleep in Christ. We're, we're actually resting when we pass from this life, and that's that's a hard thing to think about because if you've ever been with a loved one who you've seen pass away, it, it is one of the hardest things that you can imagine. You, you don't want them to leave, but, but they're actually asleep if they're in Christ. How many of you know sleep is usually restful, right? Usually, unless you have too much cheese to eat. You know, it's, it's usually restful. It's usually peaceful. It's a peaceful sense. And, and Paul knew this, and he wanted to explain this to them. It's actually peaceful it's it's okay because they're going to raise again because the return of the king is imminent it will happen in first thessalonians 4 16 we see the the return of jesus is both 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 personal and bodily he's actually going to descend from heaven in bodily form that we're going to see jesus and this is exciting news it's triumphant and glorious, as Matthew 24, 30 says. It says, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That we're going to see this, that, that it's a sharp contrast to what we see in the Christmas story, where it's, he's coming humbly and, and lowly for us, but now he's coming triumphant and glorious because he conquered death and he now rules. He's now king and he's our king. You see, when he first came, he, he was a king that was spit on. He was a king that was rejected, but now he's coming as a triumphant and glorious king. He's going to be visible as Revelation 1-7 says, look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Every eye will see him. And just verse after verse, he's going to come sudden and unexpected. Matthew 24, 44. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man. It's coming in an hour we do not expect. I love that. 
It's like when your parents leave you home alone, and they're like, we're going to be back. Well, what time are you coming home, Mom? What time are you coming home, Dad? Because I want to really party and do whatever I want. And then when they come home, I'm going to change the channel. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get ready for bread. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to do all that stuff. And they're like, we're not telling you. We're not telling you. Because if I were to tell you, you would act however you wanted to act. I love this because Jesus said, he's coming back, but he's not going to tell you when. He's not going to tell you when. In Mark 13, 32 through 33, it says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. That's good news because when you're off guard, you kind of let your guard down. You quit fitting. You quit realizing that you're in a spiritual battle. That you're in a spiritual battle, that there's a battle raging. Uh, and it's not a war against flesh and blood, but it's a war against principalities, darkness. It's, it's, it's a war that the enemy's trying to win. We're in a war, and we're supposed to stand there as watchtowers, staying awake, praying, interceding, believing, preaching, telling others, loving our kids well, loving our spouse well, which we don't do all the time, do we? Revelation 22, 20, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Surely I'm coming soon. And it's not for us to wait passively, but we're supposed to wait being fruitful. We're supposed to wait being productive. And I find that so hard. I'll never forget being picked up when I was in eighth grade. I didn't have a car, and so I needed to be picked up to go hang out with my friends. And I remember waiting to be picked up, and I would I would sit around, and I would I would just wait and wait and wait, and I would I would just pace back and forth. It drove my mom crazy, you know, in eighth grade. When they coming? When they coming? Are they here yet? Come on, mom, where are you? Come come on, friends, where are you? I was just I was just pacing and pacing and pacing, and I was not productive at all. You know, I, would, I, I could have been doing my chores. I could have been doing several other things, but I was just pacing. And I find that to be true with us in our Christian walk. A lot of times, if you have only a destination approach, if you only have a suitcase approach without a journey approach, you just, you just wait until you go to heaven. And you're just sitting there pacing, and you're not productive. You're not doing anything. You're just sitting there waiting and pacing. But the Lord wants us to be productive he wants us to be productive. He's also the judge and savior. The unshakable destiny is that he will judge, and he is our savior in Acts 17, verse 30. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead, that Christ will judge the whole world. He's going to judge you and me. He's going to look at us, and he's going to see what have we done. Is he going to say, well done, good and faithful servant? You've been fruitful, not just busy. A lot of us are busy. Y'all ever been busy? We, we say that all the time. Man, how's your week? Oh, busy. I'm busy, Pastor. I'm so busy. I do the same. How are you, pastor? I'm busy. What are you busy doing? I don't know. I'm just busy. He doesn't want us just busy. He wants us fruitful. 
He wants us to be a fruitful people. He wants, he wants us to bear fruit. He wants that to come out of us. That's what he's going to judge. He's going to judge us by your fruit. He's going to judge us by, by who we are and by what we've done. The kingdom comes, 2 Peter 3.13. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. How many of you want that? A place where righteousness dwells. You know, what's amazing is when God created earth, he cre- created Eden. He created everything good. He created man and woman very good. He created them amazing. And it was perfect. It was bliss. There, 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 was, there was no bombings. There was no shootings. There, there was no racism. There was no politics. There was, there was none of that. It was completely free, completely bliss. It was amazing. And everybody got along. And it was awesome how God designed. And the most important thing about Eden It was relational. It was relationship with God. That's what we're longing for. You see, you and I in Christ, we have relationship with God. We we have relationship with him, and it's amazing, and it's beautiful. We know that we are righteous by his blood that was shed for us, but there is going to be a moment where all around us we look is going to be perfect again. It's going to be amazing. That should be something that we long for. That should be something that we start living for, shouldn't it? We should start looking and longing for the kingdom to come. And if we're just journey focused, we miss the destination. We miss where we're going to end up, where we're going to be. The the perfect will come. When we see the news and media, we say this is all there is. And and we start to get a little furious, a little angry, a little mad. There's fingers pointing at each other. and, And in my friend circles, there's fingers pointing at each other, but, but that's not the kingdom. The kingdom that's come is perfect, and it's amazing, and it's, it's all centered around Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I long for that moment. And that moment should be found in glimpses here at church, and in glimpses in your connect groups, and in glimpses of your relationships, that heaven on earth, we should see partial glimpses of that, shouldn't we? I love God because he'll supernaturally invade earth with miraculous power, with signs and wonders as he's done. And he does that just to let us see a glimpse, a glimpse of who he is. He, he starts opening our eyes because we see love open up or love shouldn't open up. Where, where two people may hate each other, but they come and they reunite and they get reconciled and they start loving one another. That's a glimpse of heaven. And that's what we should be longing for. That's what we should be hoping for. It's what we long for. And we should be living today for that day. An eternal perspective. An eternal perspective of, of when Christ returns. Of who he is. That, 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 that as we begin to slumber, that we're going to be awakened with him and in Christ. We, we should be prepared. Living, for, living today for that day is living in preparedness. And we should start preparing and we should start doing what the kingdom work, as some people would say. What is the kingdom work? What is that about? It's doing what Jesus said do. Love God. Love others. That we should be doing kingdom work. We should love God. And we should love others. And that's one of the most difficult things in the world, to love God and love others. But that's what we should be doing. We should be fruitful today. We should be fruitful in all that we do. 
in all that we do. If you are climbing the corporate ladder or maybe you're growing a small business or maybe you're trying to get that degree or whatever it is, what's the purpose? At what cost? Are you doing it God's way or are you doing it your way? Because when you do it your way, it has a different kind of blessing on it. It, it, it looks a little different, doesn't it? But if you do it your way, it won't be fruitful. Oh, it may be something. It may manifest into something temporary, but it won't have eternal significance, will it? Living today for that day should be hopeful. 1 John 3, 2 talks about that, that we would have unhindered fellowship with Christ, that his return will bring unhindered fellowship with Christ. That for Christians, the best is yet to come. For you and me, the best is yet to come. That we're going to have constant conversation and relationship with Jesus. That's amazing. Because your identity and who you are is not found separate from him. It's found in him completely. You won't know who you are until you know Jesus. Because he's the one who created you and made you and breathed life into you. And so if you're trying to find out who you are separate from him, it's just a temporary feeling, a temporary thing. But if we place our faith in Jesus, we find out who we completely are. And one day we're going to completely be with him in eternity. And we're going to be fully known. Fully. I can't wait till I'm fully known. I'm too bipolar. You know what I mean? I'm like too up and down and roller coaster. I'm, I'm constantly figuring out like, okay, okay, I'm in Jesus. And then I'm not in Jesus, you know, like yelling at my wife, yelling at my kids, doing whatever it may be, you know, burning the turkey. In Acts chapter 2, Josh, would you come up please? In verse 24. We, we read about a man named David. And David was the chosen king of Israel. It says that David was a man after God's own heart. He was a man after God's own heart. It's, it's why I always prayed to be David without Bathsheba. You know, anybody else? Pray to be David because I wanted to be after God's own heart. And Peter begins to speak about David and Luke records it in the book of Acts verse 24 but God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him on Jesus David said about him prophetically right and I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand I will not be shaken Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, fellow luminaries, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath 
that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. That he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. David prophetically writes about Jesus, that Jesus would come and be the Messiah for you and me. That he would live this life and he, he would be our king. And although he would die, his body would not decay, but he would be raised to life and have life to the full. David, 2,000 years, several thousand years before this moment, started writing prophetically about Jesus, started having hope in Jesus. And it was actually that hope in Jesus that began to save David. In Hebrews, we write about the hall of faith. In Hebrews 11, we write about those who have faith in Jesus, whether in the past, the present, or the future. Those who have hope in Jesus will be alive in Jesus and be raised to life in him on the last day, and we shall have eternal life with him. David had this, had this moment where he never saw the Messiah, but he believed the Messiah so much. He believed that Jesus was, and he had hope and faith in that. And we see that, that David will have life, in Jesus and you and me we 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 haven't seen Jesus you see 2,000 years ago uh, so many people saw Jesus after Jesus was raised from the dead uh, 500 witnesses saw Jesus walking the earth he, they saw a uh, first account of who Jesus was the 12 disciples had the luxury of seeing him ascend if you see him ascend how much hope that you know that he'll probably descend if he can ascend but you and me, we're, it's all faith. It's all this belief that, that Jesus is coming back for his bride. And we're going to have an, our unshakable destiny as the hope in him, the hope of glory. And I love what he tells Thomas. He says, Thomas, blessed are those who haven't even seen and still believe. So you and I, we long for a promise. We long for a hope. We long for a destination with the eternal king. We long for that, not just for us. We long for that for the people around us, that they would hear the gospel so that they would place their faith in Jesus. That's what we long for. That's what we hope for. That's what we want, but we're also on a journey. And the journey hits hard. It has ups and downs. It has disappointments. It has frustrations. It has so many broken hopes and at times feels hopeless. But in this journey, the right perspective is to also know the destination. We're going to be with him. Would you stand this morning? We're going to close with a song. Song that we've done in this series. It's talking about the unshakable king. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty shakable often. And I need an unshakable king in my life. I need somebody who's going to stand in the gap. I need somebody who is going to be a constant. I need Jesus. That's why I do this. I need Jesus. So we're going to take communion in just a moment. I should have had you do this, but underneath your chairs is a communion cup. If you're a husband, grab it for your wife. If you're a man, grab it for a woman next to you. What I want to do is I want to sing this song as we hold this cup, and I want to remind us of what this cup represents. In 1 Corinthians 11, it says that this cup 
This bread represents his body that was broken for us. This, this juice represents his blood that was shed for us. And he says, as often as you do this, remember me. Remember King Jesus. Remember the journey and the destination. Remember it both. Let's pray and bless this. Father, we thank you. God, for that what you have done. And I thank you for a sacrament such as this. Jesus, I thank you for your body. You may take this bread out of this cup. And let's lift it up and give thanks. Father, I thank you for your body that was broken for us. We bless it right now. And we thank you. You may eat of this bread. And if you would open this cup, Father, I thank you for your blood that was shed for us. It paid the ultimate price. God, for without it, I'm a sinner. For without it, I'm lost. For without it, we are deprived. For without it, there is no hope. But because your blood was shed for us, it paid the price for our sins. And so, Jesus, we remember in this unshakable life, the blood that was shed for us. Father, bless this cup in Jesus' name. You may drink of the cup. If we could just sing this song together, and then I'll come back up and dismiss.
form a strong foundation the rock I'm standing on cause who you are is who you are and who you are you always will be seated